Hey everyone, this is Andrew, and this is a series I'm calling Ritual Sense, a way for us to make sense of Jewish practices that might help us bring even deeper meaning to our lives. Episode 6, The Secrets of the Seder. The story of Passover has inspired liberation movements the world over. So pull up a chair and get cozy because we are about to prepare for this epic holiday, very much at the center of Jewish consciousness. This podcast is geared toward folks who have little or no Seder experience, though I will be sharing some special nuggets that many Seder veterans don't know that will have you feeling like a pro. What should you expect? What is going to happen that no one is going to explain? Is what's going on at your Seder standard, or is it the quirks of a family under the iron fist of Uncle Morty who insists on doing things his way? When they say four cups of wine, are we really drinking four full cups of wine? And what does the Bible say about a designated driver? All will be revealed. All will be revealed in this special episode of Ritual Sense. First, a few Hebrew words that I want you to know. Seder. Seder is an interactive, time-traveling, food-filled, story-time ritual. The word Seder means order because there are 15 steps that one follows to proceed through this ritual. And if you've been to Israel, you may have heard the word Beseder or Beseder, which means, okay, how are you doing? Beseder. It literally means in order, like things are in order. Your second and third Hebrew words are opposites, chametz and matzah. Chametz are grains like wheat or oats or rye or barley or spelt, if you happen to have that around, which are prohibited if they've had contact with water or moisture for longer than 18 minutes, leading to rising or leavening. Matzah is made from wheat, yes, but it is closely supervised to ensure that no water touches it from the time of harvest to the time that it is baked so that no leavening can occur. Eating matzah is, in the Torah, symbolizing that the Jews did not have enough time for bread to rise when they were escaping from Egypt. The most important thing you need to remember is that grain products, even beer, are generally not considered kosher for Passover. Matzah, matzah meal, matzah cake meal are all used as substitutes for bread and breadcrumbs and cake flour, respectively. In addition to chametz, Ashkenazi Jews traditionally prohibit the consumption of what are known as kitniot, uh, commonly rice or corn, uh, which have been banned uh, maybe because they were too similar to grains. They often shared the same storage bag, so it's possible there was concern that the chametz might be accidentally mixed in with the kitniot and consumed during Passover. So whatever the reason, many Ashkenazi Jews, the Eastern European Jews, stick to the ban on kitniot, even though it's not technically prohibited, while Sephardic Jews or Mizrahi Jews, Jews from Spain and North Africa, do allow kitniot. Anyway, those who keep Passover eat matzah for a week plus, which we love to complain about, 
But we also can make things like matzah brai, which is kind of like French toast, but with matzah. Regardless, saying you love matzah is definitely not beseder. It's not okay because you have to feel like you're suffering. So pretend you don't like it, even if you do. The final Hebrew word for this episode is the book we use during the Seder. It's called the Haggadah, the Haggadah, from the verb to tell or to recount, because it tells the story. So what is the story? Well, if you've seen The Prince of Egypt, you know the story. It is the first dozen chapters of the book of Exodus and Torah, where the Egyptian ruler or pharaoh enslaves the Hebrews, tries to kill all the firstborn males, and the story of the great escape that ensued. It involves a lot of miracles, most notably the parting of the Sea of Reeds. It involves 10 different plagues that befall the Egyptians to get Pharaoh to release the Hebrews. And it involves the leadership of Moses, his brother Aaron, and his sister Miriam. I won't spoil the entire story. You're going to get plenty of that at your Seder. But in this episode, I'm going to give you 10 facts that you can use to dazzle your fellow mealmates should you have the opportunity. Number one, forget about Moses or his brother Aaron, who is Moses' spokesperson with the Pharaoh because Moses says he is slow of speech. Women are the unsung heroines of Passover. The midwives, Shifra and Pua, are named in the first chapter of Exodus as defying Pharaoh's decree of killing the Hebrew baby boys. This is like the first act of civil disobedience in ancient history. Yocheved, Moses' mother, saves her son rather than throwing him in the river as required, and Miriam, Moses' sister, stands guard. Plus, Pharaoh's daughter seeds the baby in a basket in the river and saves him. Fun fact, the word for basket in this story, teva, is the same word for the ark that Noah builds before the flood in the book of Genesis. I like to think of that as a little foreshadowing in the story, that baby Moses is going to be okay because he's in a mini Noah's ark. Number two, after Moses grows up in Pharaoh's court, he eventually sees Hebrew slaves being mistreated, and he intervenes when he kills an Egyptian taskmaster who is whipping a Hebrew slave. Does Moses know that he is a Hebrew himself? That is not quite clear in the text, but it's a fascinating question to bring up because it could mean that Moses is demonstrating what it looks like to act in solidarity with those who are oppressed, even though he did not need to intervene because of his own privileges. Number three. Speaking of questions, one of the things that will happen during the Seder is that the youngest person attending the event will recite the four questions as an excuse to then share all the details of the story in response. Fun fact, you are not missing anything if you only actually hear one question. Why is this night different from all other nights? And the rest are observations like, We seem to have forgotten the yeast in our bread tonight, etc. Interestingly, the idea of children asking questions is in the Torah itself. In Exodus 12, the narrator actually breaks the fourth wall of the story to say, when your children ask you, what do you mean by this ritual? 
you shall say, quote, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord because he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. So we ask and then answer this question through the Seder, which has been specifically designed to have all sorts of symbols of food to tell the story in multi-sensory ways. Some hosts ask what the symbols symbolize. So here's your cheat sheet. The bitter herbs represent the bitter times. The charoset, that apple, cinnamon, nut, and wine mixture that's absolutely delicious. Make sure you get seconds. That represents the mortar that the Hebrews used to build the bricks. The greens symbolize spring. The salt water are the tears shed by the slaves. A roasted egg represents the sacrificial system. The shank bone, or a beet, represents the blood that was placed on the doorpost for the angel to pass over. In modern homes, mostly in America, you might see an orange. There are several stories explaining why, but I spoke with Susanna Heschel, who is Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel's daughter, and she started this tradition. And she said it was to represent the LGBT community and that she would spit out the seeds of homophobia. Others have said it symbolizes women's inclusion. When some Weisenheimer misogynist said that a woman as a rabbi would be like an orange on the Seder plate, someone put an orange on the plate. Susanna Heschel says that's not where it began, but hey, I say let's share I will also note, though, that some tables have a glass of water symbolizing Miriam's cup, since a well of water followed the Israelites through their journey while Miriam was alive. If you visit an Afghani or Iranian Jewish home, you might be given a scallion or a leek to lightly whip a neighbor in recognition of the taskmaster. Other delicacies you might experience include minas, which is a traditional Passover dish in many parts of the world, including Turkey, Greece, Spain, and parts of Africa. It's softened matzah and an egg finish similar to lasagna, layered with various fillings. Okay, number four. You'll notice earlier that I said that the Seder was designed. Because while that line about kids asking questions is in the Torah... The Seder itself is not. Originally, Passover was observed as a pilgrimage holiday where people made sacrifices in the great temple in Jerusalem. But our first references to the Seder appear not in the Torah, but in the Mishnah, which is also known as the Oral Law, written down after the destruction of the Second Temple in the year 70, which makes sense because the ancient rabbis needed a way to substitute something for a sacrifice at the temple. They were living in a Greco-Roman culture, and they essentially adapted customs for their purposes. Even today, we're told to drink wine, recline on pillows, and dip our food in condiments and tell stories. It's a Greco-Roman symposium. So the Seder is really a 2,000-year-old ritual of lounging on cushions about a story purported to have happened 1,500 years prior. Which leads us to number five, one touchy subject. Whether the Exodus actually happened. Archaeologists have not found any major evidence of a mass exodus of 600,000 people. 
I would not necessarily suggest questioning the historicity of Passover during the Seder, lest when you all read the story of the four children, you get branded as the wicked child. But you might check out a book by Richard Elliott Friedman, which offers one historical explanation for how this event could have occurred. Regardless, the mythology around this holiday, standing up to power, liberation from slavery, is a source of pride and meaning for the Jewish people. The only problem, of course, is when we fail to recognize the situations when we are operating more like Pharaoh than the Hebrews. Number six, another moment to look out for is the recounting of the ten plagues. Members of my family, who shall remain nameless, once purchased little stuffed animals that represent the ten plagues, like cattle with their eyes X'd out to symbolize cattle disease. Those stuffed animals are a source of trauma about which I am still recovering. You may see people taking a finger and dipping it into wine and putting it on their plate, one for each of the plagues. This is to reduce our joy for the fact that the Egyptians had to suffer in order for us to be freed. Number seven, you'll likely hear this song. Elu hotzi hotzi anu hotzi anu mi mitzrayim hotzi anu mi mitzrayim da'enu. Da'enu means it would have been enough. If we'd only been freed from slavery, it would have been enough. If we'd only been given matzah to eat, it would have been enough. I'm not exactly sure that that's true, but it is a nice sentiment. And if your host goes on and on during the Seder, you'll be saying Dayenu as well. Number eight. I mean, I truly hope this is a meaningful experience for you. And know that different families do do it differently. Some turn the event into a chance to recreate Les Miserables or Hamilton with new lyrics about the holiday. Some turn it into a serious discussion about current injustices in our society. Others go around the table and read from the Haggadah. And others basically just say, let's eat. There's the phrase, two Jews, three opinions. There are lots of ways to observe Passover, so don't expect it to be just one way. Number nine. One thing that is likely to happen is that you will be invited to open the door to Elijah. Elijah is a Jewish prophet who never died, according to our tradition, and will announce the coming of the Messiah, or the Messianic Age, if you prefer. And so, by opening our door and leaving a special cup of wine for Elijah, we are trying to hasten that day when the world will be at peace and harmony. Speaking of which, you know the Seder is coming to a close when you've had the four cups of wine. And no, you don't have to drink four full cups, you can just have a sip. But after the fourth cup, you say, next year in Jerusalem. Now you can think of that literally, or you can think of that metaphorically. Next year, let us be in a place of togetherness. Next year, may we figure out the world's problems and sit side by side. It's a moment not to think about what God might do to suddenly make this so, but what we can do to get closer to that day. So put away your chametz for the week, dust off your Haggadah, and I hope you enjoy your Seder. Chag Sameach and have a happy holiday. 
this has been Ritual Sense.